Today is quite special uh, because uh, we, we have not been doing live for the past two weeks. A lot of things have happened. Yeah, sorry about that because uh, last week I was down with COVID-19. Um, yeah, it was a bad experience, yeah. but uh, thankfully nothing. So one week he was down with COVID yeah. and then subsequently another week we had a, we had an event to attend to. Correct. So uh, it was a work event. So we were there. And yeah, actually my wife just got COVID as well. Yeah, um, so... Thankfully, I didn't get. Yeah, my kids are all safe, but uh, because of that, I'm pretty busy because no one's there to take care of the child. So I got to be home to mm. to jaga kids, and uh, I guess in a way, almost also. I was wondering if like, hey, I sh- I was telling, I was thinking, I want to tell Frankie if he, should, he should do it alone, but I know he sure don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right. But I think it's very interesting. Let's start by talking about Nancy Pelosi a little bit, right? Mm. Before we do a quick introduction yeah. for today. Right. I, I, I think it's quite interesting that actually Nancy Pelosi visited Malaysia and then Taiwan all within just two days, right? It's very, very quick. Literally, she just dropped by for like an hour to meet the people. Yeah. She's on a journey back to the airport. Ciao. Correct, correct. Because she has a very tight schedule, actually. Yeah. She's She's, she's visiting a few more Asian countries. Yeah. And most of them are uh, a very close uh, US allies. That's right. That's right. And when she went to Taiwan, literally just a very, very quick drop by, right? I was wondering if she's scared of the missiles, you know? <laughs> so, so like, what? Go there, faster tower. You don't take smoke, whether you attack or not, you know? Yeah. Mm. All right. So, uh, let's do a quick standard introduction so that we can upload this on our podcast on Monday. For those of you who are watching this, if you are actually a podcast fan and you would like to re-listen to this, you can actually follow our podcast on Spotify. It's called The Real Money Show and we upload our lives on every Monday morning. So on your way to work or either when you are in the office, you can just put on your headphones, you can listen to it when you work. Now, I think it's a... I I never knew that our podcast actually uh, really kind of like help the people to a certain extent. Oh uh, yeah, last week when we were at an event yeah. and then somebody just came up to you and said, hey, you know, you changed my entire career life because yeah. I listened to your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so we're, 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 we're rather pleased by the comment uh, and I think that, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that uh, people are supporting it and mm. people are listening to it and we are, we are glad that we are of help, right? Yeah. yeah, and if you ever see us in public or anything, just drop by and say hi, you know, just say hello to us, you know, mm. you can take a picture or whatnot, yeah. Uh, Autographs, no, because uh, I don't think it's worth any money. So, yeah. Hard to say. They, people make it into NFT and then they can start selling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we have a little bit more people. So, hi, everyone. Welcome back to our show. Sorry for the delay for today. And this is Peter from Mr. Money TV. Hi, Frankie here. Nice to see you guys again after two weeks. All right. So, we run a live show on every Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Forgive us sometimes if there's a delay here and there because of technical issues and so Mm. on, just like today. And thank you very much for your patience. So let us not waste too much of the people's time and let's go into today's topic. Today's topic is all about China China and Taiwan. Correct. Yeah, remember for the longest time we said that this could be a black swan event. So it looks like it is not going to be a black swan event because it's, it's, it's brewing into a a real threat, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are a few things that has been happening over the past one week that, that we have been talking about. I think number one, we can definitely look at like the market itself, right? Mm. Uh, the market is actually 
kind of going up. I think a lot of people were like, wow, no, great. Finally, the, the bottom is here, right? Everyone is wondering whether the bottom has come to an end. And we were just talking about for the past few weeks that that people are dying for good news in the market, right? Yep. People are dying for good news in the market. And we can see immediately the market right now actually has two very different opinions. One thing is that the market is still going to crash, especially people like Michael Burry, right, who has actually turned a lot of his position into outright shorting the market, I believe. Mm. Yeah, uh, which we'll be covering a little bit of it as well. Uh, and there are many other people who are talking, who are saying that currently this bear market is not at the end yet, but it's up to you to choose, right? Uh, probably we'll put up a poll for you guys to decide later. But the next thing we also talk about is actually the black swan event which is the escalation between china and taiwan we're mm. saying that everything is going to be fine hopefully uh, but there's this one very crucial element which is china and taiwan now uh, included in all those also we talked about inflation which will address it a little bit as well because we have come to this position in the market where it's quite interesting right mm. we are seeing commodity prices going down but we are not really seeing cpi going down yeah which is Really, really interesting. Yep. And we recently did an episode about chicken rice as well. And many of you guys commented one thing that is worth taking a note of, which is even when commodity price goes down, you're not going to see those hawkers and, and, and retail shops bringing down their price. Hmm. So kind of like, although it's a temporary temporary um, inflation for commodities, which lead to a retail retail increase in retail inflation at a permanent level now what does it take to actually bring it back right so these are some of the things that probably we'll be chatting about as well yep. now and one last thing that we did talk about is actually the housing bubble mm. right we didn't really go in depth in the past but uh, i think today maybe we're going to talk a little bit more mm. right yeah so frankie hey. let's just begin with a conversation by talking about nancy pelosi's visit to taiwan yeah what are our thoughts about it first of all who is she uh? do you know who is she not she, she is like an old uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, okay. she is uh i don't know la. <laughs> yes. she, she 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 holds the highest position in the u.s congress and she is also the the most senior of uh, u.s official uh to visit taiwan since 1997 so this visit is a very significant visit to a territory like Taiwan, I don't dare to say a country because later China also point the missile to Malaysia or, or at our office then highlight, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, she is the highest US official to visit Taiwan since 1997. Uh, and because of that, the it it is like a historical event for Taiwan. And uh, because of that, China is taking this very seriously. It is like saying that, uh, you know, this visit is kind of symbolizes uh, invasion of territory to my country. Okay, I think again, we gotta we gotta explain a little bit why is it such a big deal when it comes to invasion of territory, mm. right? Because you have to think about it this way: in the world, how China portrays itself is that is a one-China policy, which is Taiwan is actually part of China. And what happened is that over the years, many countries don't want to offend China, so they have never acknowledged Taiwan as a country. So Taiwan has always been in this very weird gray zone, right? Mm. Where many countries have a relationship with them, but not exactly explicitly, outrightly saying you are a country. Correct. So therefore, right, when a, when a government official from another country pays an official visit to this place, right, you are actually acknowledging that they are a country. Mm. And that is exactly what US did. Because in the past, they have never been, they have always said we support democracy. This 
things or not, but they have never really outrightly stated that Taiwan is a nation in itself. Hmm. Yeah, they have never, right? So, but they just say, oh, we support democracy, you know, kind of like, like, yeah. like, you know, trying to play the gray line there. But this time they paid a visit. And this is despite Xi Jinping actually having a conversation with Biden, hmm. warning him that if you do that, you're actually violating our authority. Playing and you're with challenging fire. us. Yeah. yeah. He said, you're playing with fire, you will get burned. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But Nancy Pelosi still insisted on that visit. And hmm. that is why it gets very, very interesting. Yeah. But the funny thing is, uh, even though there's a lot more elite, uh, military lineup along the coast of China, you know, like pointing all the missiles at Taiwan, but after Pelosi's visit, nothing happened. So everyone took that as a good news, said, oh, Pelosi visited, you know, you say you threatened to, to bomb Taiwan because of that, but nothing happened. So therefore, the market all reacted very positively. That's why today you see the market short, especially tech stocks, no matter yep. Malaysian tech stocks or Taiwanese tech stocks or US tech stocks, they all perform very well because of a peaceful meeting of Pelosi to Taiwan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, however, there's a few different things that's going on. I've been reading a lot of news and watching a lot of uh, interviews that talk about this, including CIAs and uh, 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 anal political analysts and so on. <coughs> they, they did mention this one thing. Okay, although all of them agree that it will likely not come to a war because, mm. you know, um, that's definitely not what Xi Jinping won. But... Xi Jinping is actually going to be having a, a, a Communist Party meeting by the end of this year, which will get him elected as the next president again the third, third time, right? Mm. Yeah. And so during this time, he's actually facing a very, very big problem because number one, China wasn't doing as well as he expected due to COVID. Yeah, that's number one thing. So, and number two thing is that there is always this big question about nationalists and stuff like that. And it's always his campaign and slogan to say that we are going to take back Taiwan, right? Mm. And right now, if when during this visit, it's actually really hitting him at a timing where he needs to show his strength. So by Nancy Pelosi visiting during this very hour, it's like, it's like right before, imagine right before Malaysian is election, right? Yeah. Then, uh, then someone challenges our PM. Yep. Yeah, so it's, it's a very same thing there that is actually happening. So then that's the question, right? Uh, will Xi Jinping react? And true enough, although they, they, there wasn't true, true fledged war, but they did oppose it strong enough by displaying a lot of military power around it. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's plane had to actually uh, fly around for three hours, before delayed by three hours before they can land. And apparently on the social media, now, social media cannot be trusted fully, especially it comes from China because mm. uh, they sanction a lot of stuff and they filter a lot of stuff. But a lot of people say that you should shoot down the plane, right? So, uh, don't know. Uh, since they actually filter off things that supports the other side of the argument, right? Yeah. Now, on, on one hand itself, right after this whole thing, they are right now keep talking about like, you know, we're going to take this seriously and stuff like that. But immediately there came the economic sanction. Now immediately they ban imports of, uh, of Taiwanese, uh, goods. Taiwanese goods yeah. and they actually ban the export of sand to Taiwan. And we know sand is actually something very important to Taiwan because semiconductor. Mm. Now, although uh, at the end of the day, the amount of sand, the largest contributor of sand to their imports is actually from Australia and Philippines. It's not China uh, and I think Taiwan know enough not to depend on them in the early stage as well <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, <clears throat> that's one thing now however we won't know uh, 
what's gonna come next because some people are also saying that like with all these things going on there what if just one small mistake by one of the military party hmm. i think i think all this 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 whole uh china taiwan thing right today is just the beginning of the of a new story because yep. if you think about it right china gdp is not doing very well because of their zero covid policy they locked down their country so their economy is not doing very well and then uh, people in the country are boycotting the property uh, market in china because uh, of the property debt crisis over there so people say i keep on servicing my my mortgage loan but all these developers they are not building houses but they are using my money to launch new projects and then make more money right so they are boycotting the the property market and then it turned into sort of like a property small little property crisis over there uh, and then uh, covid zero zero covid policy so a lot of people lose their jobs so in terms of economic condition in china it is not very stable now as you mentioned just now xi jinping has to show strength not weakness but when there's so many weaknesses in the country's economy right they need to find a distraction yeah. so i think this pelosi visit give him a very good reason to divert people's attention away from all these weaknesses and focus on china's strength which is their military power that's right, right? so and and because now china lose face already you know people visit go in went out nothing happened you know mm. share price all shot up so if china don't do any like all those small kid actions so to say right they will have no face in the uh, international relations that's right scene so i think now is just the beginning in the next few days especially during the weekend i think there will be a lot more like a uh, provoking kind of uh, activities that's right, going that's on. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the provoking military provocation is one thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean the one the, the the danger is that if let's say you accidentally do something, right? Mm. For example you accidentally shot down a plane or accidentally hit the fisherman or accidentally shot some some parts of the land, you know, then it can be taken as a as a outright war you know, war declaration, right? Uh, which will put everything in a very bad situation now um yeah you can put in a mistake and what what may happen is that uh, other country will say oh no you have crossed the line so we're gonna sanction you then okay gone case mm. that's where the real shit is gonna happen yeah. right now but on the other hand at the at the safer side of it is all these don't happen then i think a lot of economic sanctions are gonna happen Mm. I think China is going to play a lot of games where like uh, if you have ties with Taiwan in a certain way or another, yeah. we may not want to use your stuff, you know, and so on. All I mean, right. just think about it this way, right? If they were to say that like even they can't afford to ban TM TSMC because then everything else gets banned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, they can actually, they, they can actually place a lot of economic sanction on things that are, that are non, not super threatening. So it's kind of like you don't try to display power lah. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the technological advancement between China and Taiwan, right? Taiwan, we all know TSMC. They are the best in the world, right? They are the semiconductor uh, contractor in that sense. Uh, while in the in in China scenario, their most advanced TSMC kind of equivalent is called SMIC. Mm. And SMIC, their, their best technology can only produce 45 nanometer. Yeah. TSMC can produce three nanometer. So you're talking about at least two generation of gap of technological gap. That's right. So I don't, yes, on one hand, they will do a lot of all this economic sanction on Taiwan, but they also know that without that technology, China also cannot go very far. So I think they will assert some sort of like 
one China kind of uh, ideology and say that we want to perhaps nationalize TSMC or nationalize the semiconductor sector. And then since China is so rich, right, then they just buy up the entire TSMC and say, now you're <laughs> my company. Yeah. Right? I think, I think that know. is possible. Yeah. yeah, because TSMC is a listed company. It's an open market democracy, right. ma, so I got money, ma, so I buy. Ah. Correct. Just huh. like corporate raiders, right? Correct. Yeah, just buying over in the public space and then just yeah. whack the shares, right? Yeah. So so you never know, right? Maybe they get a proxy and then they just start whacking it, you know? And Well, whatever it is, the point is that it's a very uncharted territory moving ahead. But what's interesting is this, right? Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan also sparked a whole new idea on uh, on conspiracy theories, right? Mm. Because um, for those of you who are actually watching this right now, I'm not sure whether you've heard of the CHIPS Act, right? Which is the act of uh, America right now trying to bring wafer production back to America itself. Because oh, that's my next video content. Because ah, yeah. what happened is that during this uh, whole shortage scenario and then the whole COVID thing, they realized that problem with supply chain mm. for the first time globalization has is kind of for the first time people are losing confidence in globalization put it this way right and they are saying that they want to bring it back and they want to approve this bill they actually already passed it yeah. they are just waiting to be signed on the 9th of august which is about 53 52 billion dollars 52.7 billion yeah. of subsidies right yeah to bring the wafer production back to to us itself and just a few weeks back uh don't quote me on this i could be wrong right yeah but uh, nancy pelosi actually bought Net or not Nancy Pelosi, her husband bought a bunch of shares in NVIDIA, right? And just a few days back, before she visited this Taiwan, apparently she just, her husband just sold the NVIDIA options at a loss, right? So people are actually right now speculating like, hey, why is it so? And do note that she herself is actually hating this CHIPS Act. Yeah, she herself is actually hating this CHIPS Act. Yeah, so people are actually saying that, well, since you're hating the CHIPS Act, there's a very huge chance that you actually know what's happening and some of you already put there, right? She, she's quite, um, rumors has it that she, she's dealing with uh, a lot of insider trading, right? And so why is she willing to sell a loss? That's a huge question there. That tells you something is gonna come up, I guess, right? And people are saying that probably that's what she does and then as, as Nvidia goes down in price, as she create all this tension, then Nvidia's price will likely go further down, and that's the time that she will whack lah, right? The market. But who knows, man? What happened was that tech stock actually went up, right? Even prior to her visit, you know, and stuff like that. People felt it's gonna be a better thing. But all this again, like we say, it's all short-term trading deals. Yeah. But on the long-term aspects, I think semiconductor is gonna have a shakedown soon. Right. What are your thoughts about this? Since you're gonna make that next video about chips act, right? And we're talking about Taiwan. Can't help but to talk about TSMC and semiconductor, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about this? Do you think in the long-term economic prospects for chip manufacturing companies like um, uh, TSMC, uh, TSMC, AMD, you know, mm. um, Nvidia, Intel, all this? What are what are your more longer-term Oh, this one Outlook is like trying it. to to tell you a hint of what is my video yeah. is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since, since we are live now and uh, uh, everyone should know all this, so maybe I can just share. No, definitely, if you want to know more, you must subscribe to the FAQ show, the, the Fuck show, show, and yeah. yeah, check out their next video. Yes, correct. So, uh, okay, so $52 billion, wow, so big, right? But um, actually, if you drill down into the numbers, right, $52 billion 
can actually only afford to build two to three wafer fat, right? Two, two to three factories to do chips. But um, if, so if you compare to the, Amer the American dream, which is to bring all this uh, wafer fat production to the US, so they, they, they won't be so reliant on Asia, they need to build at least 200 <laughs> wafer fabs. So you're talking about 100 times gap in terms of money, monetary term, right? So 52 billion, you cannot do a lot of things. So actually, what is the US intention in this chips bill? In my opinion, right, this is more like a domestic political stance than to actually challenge Asia's domination on semiconductors because US is also not in a very good economic condition. Uh, they also need to create more jobs. Uh, they also need to uh, show people that, oh, you know, US is still uh, the world's number one economy and all that. And don't forget, November is the midterm mid election in the US. So it, the politicians there have to show that they are doing something in order to secure their position for the next half of their term. So I think this bill is serving is, is, is serving the Democrats more on that direction compared to really trying to challenge Asia and also trying to provoke China uh, on the matter. Uh, this is my optimistic kind of thinking. La. Yeah, I, I think I was reading about the chip sacks as well, right? And uh, one thing I do no notice is that they did say that uh, and I, I was reading some report as well from Boston Consulting and stuff like that. They did say that if they want to replace the whole chip production side, other than time, they also need about 200 to 300 over billion. Yeah, so so 50 billion can't do much, right? Mm. Uh, but what happened is that it's just to make it slightly less reliant. Now, my, my own theory is this. My own theory is this. Mm. Uh, I think that it is, they are not planning to really remove all of this, but they want to retain certain of the super high-end technology within US itself. For example, the military chips. Because as you know, right, uh, although what we can see it's that uh, you are seeing like three nanometer and so on, but for the military side, they are probably already researching for less than that. Mm. Yeah. So, and and if let's say Taiwan ever faces a problem with China, it's going to be very hard geographically for America to save them actually. It's going to be hard to save them. I mean, yes, you can back them up, but it's going to be hard to save them. So definitely you want all these important chips to actually be back in your base. Yeah. You want it to be back in your base. And and I think that is the reason why they are actually playing with this. Uh, and with all this as well, I think my personal thought is that uh, the, the, the weapons sector will actually benefit from this whole thing. Mm. That's, that's my thought. Lah. I then think the again, weapons sector will- Then again, will back to the lady's husband, what she's doing and all that, right? Yeah, <laughs> so we, we can see one thing for sure is that like uh, with the CHIPS Act, right, what will likely happen is that companies with <coughs> no fabrication in US, it's gonna, it's not to say that they will lose money, but what happened is that they get less benefit, that's all. Hmm. It's just not a level playing ground. Like like what like what AMD they all are complaining right now. They said, oh, just because Intel have their own fab there, they are already like lo losing money. They are so lousy, you know, everything. All. And then they are going to receive such a big allocation. And what we are going to get, we're going to get what? Five, five billion? 
mm. allocated among a few of us and then he's going to get a 40 over billion mm. just because he decided that he's going to invest also in the Ohio's uh, uh, yeah. with a fab, right? Correct. Yeah. So, it's, so now what happened is that in a way, what you can see is Intel is given a very big unfair advantage to actually compete. Mm. Yeah, but will they succeed? Well, uh, okay. Will they succeed? You think about it. Uh. China has been always putting semiconductor as their national top priority uh, strategy to actually move China to be the top number one position in the world. They have been plowing so much money into that technology and yet today they cannot compete with TSMC, right? So if you think about that, then you move to the US. How much does US need to plow into this industry or this sector in order to at least be on par with China, that also become a challenge. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very, very true, right? Yeah, so it's like you. There's the number of years to catch up. There's also the amount of investment to catch up with. Yeah, and then finally is that how many people will actually feel safe to actually also allow Intel to design your chips and manufacture your chips, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if I'm an AMD, I'll definitely not let. Intel's fat to produce my chips, ah, right? right? Yeah, that's 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 as good as saying, right? I I give to you whatever I research, mm. you know. So now that's a problem. Now the next thing is, I think it's it's another another threat in this world right now is not say threat a threat to TSMC is SMIC. Now although SMIC is actually very far behind, right? But they could catch up in the short term. Mm. They could. Because we know that at this point, they are hiring a lot of TSMC top dogs. Mm. They are really bringing them in. They don't care. And money can buy anything. And we know that today, improvement is faster than last time. What took 10 years for TSMC to achieve may only take three years for them to catch up. Mm. So give it another 10 years, China's SMIC could be something very big. However, we will never know that, right? And when that happens, then that's the next question really. Because if let's say that happens, right, I think there will be less worry for China to take any form of military action. Now, so there's also this question. They, they, they actually trace back in the past what happened to China and Taiwan, right? They said during the 1995, the provocation was actually worse. Mm, okay. It was actually way worse. And today it's not as bad yet. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking about this. Like, maybe probably 1995 technology is not so important yet. Mm. Yeah, if I want to bomb Taiwan, right? You know, it's just about how people look at me. But that time, China is trying to open up, right? So if now I'm going to bomb people, then who's going to do business with me, right? Mm. Yeah. So, but now it's like, technology is a big thing. And number two, if I bomb people, then the sanction is going to be bad. Uh, I don't want to be like Russia for sure, mm. right? Yeah, because I'm not going to be growing and having a war nearing election term is never a good thing. Yeah, so that is definitely uh, a few questions. Uh. But if let's say you remove this whole thing and then SMC is is strong enough, then you never know. But at the end of the day, I think today we are at a position where most politicians try to exert influence and conquer not with military, but by economy. Yeah. Yeah, that's which, true. And like all the sanctions that's happening to Taiwan right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's part and parcel of the thing. So mm. maybe what happens is that, oh, you don't you you don't so close with China only. I give you loan, right? Mm. Maybe those kind of things are gonna happen, uh, 
right? You use our TSMC stuff, then I give loan, you know, that kind of thing. And and we have we have we have seen China being very, uh, they don't like it when a country gets loan from IMF. Yeah, you want to borrow from us? Don't borrow from IMF. They they are like like that, right? Because uh, as you all know, IMF is actually international, but. US. <laughs> actually it's US. Yeah. yeah. So the the goal is to stabilize currency and the currency that they mean is actually US. Mm. <laughs> so we never know where it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So but personally I think ahead of the market here, there are a few things that is very, very scary. Right? Um I, I know some of you are thinking that like, hey, you know, maybe we are talking too much about days are gonna be bad. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll share with you that I I really am not sure whether things are going to be good in the next year, because mm. there are a few things that are raising an alarm, and I think you all have to know and you all should know, uh, especially if you're very eager to start investing now. Now, uh, in our group, in our community, we talk a lot about it. Uh, my advice to the people is usually this: if you are doing a dollar dollar cost averaging, you have nothing to worry about, all right? Because that's the strategy, la, dollar cost averaging, la, right? But if you're trying to time the market, my thoughts are, I think it may not be the right time yet. Now, if you talk about technically, first thing, you can actually just look at all the supply, uh, support and resistance side. You will notice that, that it hasn't really break the real resistance yet. It is still within that bounce rate. So uh, it could bounce to a lower high and then it could just further drop down. Now, we haven't reached the lower high yet. There's still some legs to run. So you want to make short trades. Maybe it's still a short bullish run right now. Uh, but over a long side, there is this huge question because there are a few news ahead that's really, really scary. Number one, we look at China having a housing bubble right now. Mm. It, it's and, and you must know, no, China is actually downplaying that in the media right now already. Correct. They're downplaying it by a lot. Yeah. And I know it's bad. You know why? Because I got friends invested in their bonds. Right? Or just look at my latest FAQ video. We talk about uh, China property market as well. Through uh, S-read, a Singaporean read called EC World Read. Yeah. So the thing is this, right? If you actually look at it, my, my friend actually invested a few million in 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 China China real estate bonds. Yep. And now it's losing money like crazy. Actually, I've been telling the friend, uh, I kind of say la, like, maybe you should cut. Mm. I know you lose money, but I think you should cut because I, I think worse is coming. Uh, but don't know, la, I don't know what the fella do. La. But again, like I say, it's not investment advice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying my opinion right here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my point is this. What, and, and we know that property investment is something very big, right? Now, US is showing the exact same thing right now. Yeah, because of high interest rate. That's right. And it went up so fast. 2020 until today, property prices went up by about 20 over 30%, mm. just within a very, very short period of time. Now, on the next thing is that lately, if you actually look at their surveys, look at the data, the data is actually suggesting that at least one in five houses, right, they are offering lower prices now. So soon it's going to drop. Now, how much is it going to drop? We do not know. But at the back of all this raising of interest rate, there is a problem. Now, I was just looking at what Michael Burry's analysis on all this is. He also mentioned this one thing. Everyone is thinking that US dollar is getting stronger and stronger, but actually it's not getting stronger. If you look at it going stronger right now, it's just simply because it is comparing with other currencies and they raise their interest rate. But if you look at buying power, hmm. it actually is losing money. 
and that's exactly what stagflation is right now you know all right mm. so they're actually in a very very bad situation and if let's say there's going to be a housing bubble coming again at this time i don't think us can afford to bail out any banks anymore true i don't think so true. because they just finished a huge round of easing right yeah and they're just pulling back all the money then how can you suddenly just flood the market again correct it's very difficult yeah. If they do that, it's gonna be a crazy stagflation again, mm. right? It's gonna be worse. It's gonna like like chop very right? stagflation. Hey, you're you're screwed. You know that kind of mm. thing, right? Yeah. So that that is actually a huge problem. And if you actually look at the growing, the growing strength of the US dollar, while you look at the tech stock going up, you need to be very careful in choosing your tech stock because they many of those tech stock companies, especially in manufacturing kind, uh, they also not just manufacturing like actually any form of tech stock because US tech stocks you must understand their market is actually international right so a strengthening of US dollar means more expensive mm, it's bad for them it's actually bad for them and yeah. they did say that when US dollar increase in price they may actually lose profit just like what happened to uh, Microsoft latest earnings they actually made some losses here and there because US dollar is so strong now when they translate all those ringgit earnings or, or whatever renminbi earnings or whatever back to the US dollar it actually show a smaller amount even though the amount of business is actually the same yeah yeah so then the, the thing is this right what do you think will happen if let's say um, now before going to that okay so what do you think? Do you think this inflation is going to continue or do you think it will tame down? Because right now we see oil prices are starting to go down and the last yeah. time we talked about it, we said when oil prices go down, it is actually a very good indication, right? Mm. Now, however, for me, go down doesn't mean at the 90, like, it should drop further because mm. it's still very high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we are seeing that if they drop past 95 already, yeah. Yeah, now it's about like 92, 93, yeah, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. So, frankly, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's going to further go down? Okay, um, oil, oil price has shown sign of uh, weakening. Uh, if you look at other commodities like um, CPO or CPO really go down like crazy. But um, if you look at other forms of commodity, especially those construction related kind of commodities, so your aluminium, your uh, zinc, you know, that kind of products, right? Uh, or coal for that um, matter, because now everyone wants to hoard coal because Russia is uh, cutting all the oil and gas supply, right? So they got no other forms of energy. So they need to, they may need to fall back on coal. So coal prices is actually very high. So if you look from that angle, then inflation actually has not come down yet, right? It has just shifted from oil and gas to other forms of energy sources. Uh, so, and therefore, I think inflation is still very high and uh, the UK is top talking about a potential 50 basis point increase in interest rate, which is the highest in many, many, many years, right? So if, if UK increase 50 basis point, then that means that the US more or less will also experience the same level, right? So in the US, they are, they are, they are speculating that it is, it may not go as aggressive as 1% in September. Uh, 75 also may be a little bit aggressive because you have two rounds of 75 basis points already. So what they're expecting is maybe perhaps in September, they will hike by 50 basis points. Yep. And then subsequently for all the meetings until the middle of 2023, every meeting they will increase 25 basis points. Depending on how you see it, because when you flip a coin, it's a 
heads of tail. So yeah. depending on you see it heads or see it tail. Uh, on one hand, you can say, that, okay, so the, the, the interest rate hike is not so aggressive anymore, so it's good news. But if you look from another perspective, is that oh, you still got fifty basis points in September and then twenty five every meeting until the until the middle of twenty twenty three, so that is going to kill a lot of people, right? So depending on how you see it, um, the market is going to react accordingly. But definitely, right now, what we can see is that because the expectation of the hike is lower than the one percent that people initially expected, so therefore all the prices all go like oh this is a relief rally everyone is happy again that's right yeah. that's right yeah so that's what we are seeing right now no everyone is desperate for a uh, good news right uh come down to yourself right what do you think right uh, do you think it's a good time to deploy your money now uh, definitely we're going to cover that in a short while right yeah but let's talk about a few things that uh that that we should pay attention to in these kind of times right uh i want to talk a little bit about michael very because i was just reading up a lot about him lately why he says certain things and so on now um he is definitely all of you have know who he is right and lately he has been doing a very interesting thing is that he actually tweets and he deleted it immediately <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cause he say like ah, I don't wanna, I don't bother. Like, you all always say that I, I don't tell you all right. Then after the crash, everything all. Uh, looks like he's been getting it right. Yeah, quite interesting. Uh, if you actually look at his portfolio lately, what happened is that he have about 165 million inv invested into the stock market. Now, he has about three million invested into options about 163 in stocks 3 million options uh, and then after that he have about 123 million unknown because his total size of his fund is about 200 over uh, 300 over million right so about half of it is unknown it's not reported uh, so what does it mean there could be only a few places that can be la. now and uh, I would look at this analysis which is a uh, quite interesting analysis so he said like uh, out of this 125 million that is not reported right it could, could only be in a few places number one cash don't need report in his filing again he has been talking about inflation dollar is weak so I don't think he's gonna buy cash true right next thing forex yeah definitely no because already don't believe in currency right yeah mm. then land right so he also mentioned one thing about land he said that like uh, at the end of the day in every country if you think that property is actually a hedge against all this no when a country goes to a really really bad shape it may not because if you look at venezuela they actually confisc confiscated people's house during that time why because when a country is really in deep shit, right they will have to use good things good assets to actually uh, compensate right so um so what will happen is that if they don't confiscate your stuff probably they just raise taxes mm. you can look at COVID 19 right what happened during COVID 19 right after that when glove companies did very well what they did Chukai Makmo. Chukai Makmo. <laughs> 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 see so cannot avoid right yeah so these are some of the things so definitely that's not in his range right then the next thing that doesn't need to be reported is actually shorting mm. Ah, now if you recall, right during that whole pandemic time, uh, he actually bought a lot of options, mm. right? Yeah, had a lot of options, and now he have very little options. But his view remained the same. So the estimation is that he moved everything into shorting the market. Mm. Yeah, and definitely a lot of people are suspecting a short Tesla as well as his bigger shot lah, right yeah he has always been speaking out against it but like he said right he has no emotion towards the company he just think that it's overvalued right now 
uh, that's one thing. Now, we know there are a few bad news for Tesla. Number one, there are no more the number one EV car maker. Number two, we know that there are a few technologies that is displaying much more interest in the market right now. For example, BYD's battery, hmm. right? Uh, again, I, I like Tesla, but I'm not, I'm not so crazy until I'm blind. Yeah, so there are a few things I'm very wary about. Yeah, in fact, but I thank them, right? Because I my, my portfolio grew by at least 100% because of Tesla, hmm. right? Uh, and But recently, I just cashed out my half of it. Lah. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm also a bit wary. At the moment, they lost their thing. Lah, I cashed out half of it. Yeah, so uh, these are a few things. Uh, now, then we know that the market is actually heading towards a place where, like we say, inflation. Although commodities is actually going down in price, but direct to retail is not. It's not. Your chicken rice is not coming down in price, my friend. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. Someone actually just posted there as well, right? They called their cousin in Klang who actually bought oil from Russia. I think uh, it shouldn't be a public knowledge, but since you put it there, then it's a public knowledge, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he said that he didn't buy the Russian oil at a discount. So who took the discount? The big asshole trader, lah, not mm. you at the smaller place. Lah. Yeah. Now, with this, uh, let's not forget, right, that many companies are laying off stuff right now. They just started laying off in the past two months, you know. So in the next few months, what happens when their emergency fund are gone or they can't get a job? Yep. All right. Mm. So what my favorite stock, Apple, right? Uh, I think Michael Burry also put has a put option on it. Mm. Yeah. And why? Because Apple is one of those products that is right now could be facing a supply chain issue and also at the same time it is a luxury. Yeah. So that is a problem. Right? And so what are companies that you actually recently buy are companies with a few things that we have been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Which is number one. All the safe, safe stuff, man. Eh? Uh, he not not too safe like non-tech, but even when you look at tech, mm. he actually look at companies that can actually do these few things. Number one, they have a high profit margin. Number two, they can transfer their cost to public. Mm. Very smart, right? Just like what we talk about, right? Mm. Yeah. Then uh, finally, also a very healthy cash balance. Uh. Yeah. So these are a few things that he's been looking at. So if you can expect about half of his positions in shorting, then you can expect he's trying to make a lot of money from it. Lah. And the last time he actually used 1.7 million to make, or either 17 million to make 200 over million. I can't remember. During yeah. the 2008 crisis. Yes. So uh, he is a pretty smart guy, but his strategy requires you to be very, very patient. Mm. Yeah, because he's going to be like the prophet of room, keep telling you, you know. Correct. You uh, need to wait like two, three years uh, during, yeah, during yeah. the 2008 That's crisis. That's right. But yeah. you one shot, you fatala, yeah. right? Yeah. So for, it's really a different investment strategy. Now, uh, if you have a lot of cash, Maybe you can do that, but if if you're not somewhere with a lot of cash, my my advice is still uh, DCA. Yeah, mm -hmm. just do it. Now, I personally, but definitely is a little bit more complicated, right? For everyone, like for our case, we already have a certain portfolio size. Even if I DCA right now, it doesn't mean that I don't make adjustment to my previous lump sum. Like one thing that I do is that I'm starting a whole more cash again. I actually deployed it in the last small shooting up a bit. Um, I guess I kind of like didn't really make money, make money like that. Yeah, nothing significant if I made, but now I'm starting to collect cash again. Mm. Yeah, that's something that I'm doing. So uh, Frankie, what are your thoughts about the current market moving ahead and how should you invest then? 
Uh, actually, I already positioned myself in maybe two, three months ago. You know, you know, you know my strategy. I don't do TCA. You know, when I find something good and I know that okay, this is the kind of risk that I can take, then I just go ahead. So two, three months ago, I said that I have a very favorite stock in the U.S. tech sector. Palundu. Uh, start with P, <laughs> right? Uh, so I actually went in when it was around close to nine bucks, not even nine bucks, and today it's at eleven something. So that's 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 very good for me. But apart from that. The rest is all cash for me. Uh, I don't have any more Malaysian stocks. Um, I only have that one US position, and the rest uh, is in US dollar. Um, so that is my current position. And why am I doing that? Is because uh, number one, I think US dollar is going to strengthen further as the Fed increases interest rate. And number two is because of all this technology advancement, right? So you need something like a Palantir to to look into the crystal ball and see how is it yep. how how is it going to be in the future right and then if you if you tune in to Palantir's uh, investor meeting right they have been hinting that uh, the risk of a uh, nuclear war is is very is very strong according to their AI readings, right? So they have been giving out a lot of hints if you if you go and listen to their uh, investment meeting. And because of that, they have been advising their clients to do precautionary actions and blah, 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 and whatnot. So I think that kind of cutting edge technology, right, is not even something that TSMC can do. Because TSMC, at the end of the day, they're just a manufacturing company. Yes. So they have, so apart from technology, they also have that intellectual property over there. Mm. And uh, when it dropped to below IPO price, then I just thought, hey, this one is a, is a good thing yeah. for me. So I just, I just put in that position. Uh. But what I want to talk about more interestingly is how all this Pelosi, US, US, China, Taiwan thing, right? Will wait, wait, before you go into that, uh, I want to say uh, that like, if there's going to be a Skynet like Terminator, uh, uh -huh. it will be Palantir. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Right, right, right. Correct, correct, correct. Because they can predict the future. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, go on, go on. So sorry, I just had to stop you there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So how how is all these things going to affect Malaysian tech sector? I think everyone will be interested in that. Mm, uh, yes. Yeah. That's so, the next part that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So this this is my own personal opinion. Uh, and uh, don't don't get me wrong that <laughs> because I don't invest in Malaysian stocks currently doesn't mean that I don't follow Malaysian stock and I don't think they have a future. I just think that I got time to uh, slowly position myself. So no need to be so kanjong. But this is what I feel about the Malaysian tech sector right now. Okay, let's say the worst thing happened between US, China, and Taiwan, right? So all these things break up, right? No more TSMC, TSMC is absorbed in China, SM, SMIC, you have different manufacturing locations, some in US, you know, just to take advantage of the 52 billion subsidy, and then they want to diversify their risk. So they have new plant in South Korea, blah, 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 all those things. So this very Asian concentrated sector will be broken up into many parts of the world. Mm. But at the end of the day, you have to think, you know, the, all this high-end cutting-edge te technology, right, is still dominated by very few players. Yep. And these very few players will not be sharing their patents to to you and me. When, That's right. right. So at the end of the day, it will still be maybe TSMC US, TSMC Taiwan, or TSMC China. It is still TSMC. It's just that they have more diversified portfolio in terms of uh, manufacturing mm. uh, facilities. So at the end of the day, 
I think Malaysia is in a very good position because number one, we do things that they don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> right? We do things that they don't want to do. Number two, they have more, more facilities around the world. Right? Uh, maybe in the past, everything is in Taiwan. So, we, so as a Malaysian tech company, I just deal with one customer, one manager and all that. Maybe going forward, I have to deal with their US subsidy, their UK subsidy or China subsidy. So in fact, because of that, right, I think the business opportunity for Malaysian businesses, I think it's even more. Because who knows when all these things break up, right? You may actually have more, more smart people around the world to actually develop new technolo technologies in different parts of the world. And therefore, it will indirectly benefit Malaysian as the tester and also equipment uh, manufacturer to support all these high-end companies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think I think one thing it's quite obvious also when it comes to this part is that uh, on the Malaysia tech side, there's something to be highlighted is that wow don't talk about politics i just talk about business lah. so on the business side you can actually see that there are certain companies that are coming to invest in malaysia setting up plans pelosi came to malaysia yeah. why think about <laughs> it lum research open yeah. up here apparently there's other chip companies that are coming hmm. all these are it's quite interesting you know hmm. i mean definitely when they come is there tax benefit and will they be hmm. paying tax the one i don't know lah, right i hope they pay tax lah, right yeah, but anyway, at least they create job creation now. Huh? So all these bigger companies are coming over right now. But how is it going to work here? I really do not know, but that's interesting. Because you can see them all going in between Malaysia and Malaysia in Indonesia. Yeah, because Singapore, forget it, you can't go there. Dila, too full. Mm. Yeah, so it's either Indonesia or Malaysia. And Malaysia at this point, when it comes to uh, existing infrastructure, we still have their age. Mm. Yeah, so we are seeing them coming over here. So, uh, in, in my personal opinion, with Malaysia's political stance as well, we are in a very good place because we are the grey zone. Mm. We are everyone's friend. Mm. Yeah. So, that is actually one good thing there. So, uh, don't know what's going to come ahead, but definitely in terms of Malaysia tech-wise, we may be able to move up the chain a little bit more. A little bit more, right? Uh, definitely, like like we say, going up to the brand itself impossible uh, because they won't share with you, right? But we may be moving up a little bit more. That's a question, right? So if let the TMC say that, you know what? Let's just set up Malaysia, a Malaysia TSMC. Mm. <laughs> It'll be very good for our economy. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it dri dribbles down to us. Uh. Yeah. So uh, we're not going to talk about Malaysia politics today, uh, although there's we just had a long a little bit of a long conversation just now talking about Malaysia's future uh, but yeah no uh, I also want to answer a little bit of a question here right uh, mm. someone said Akong said that uh, Panther analyze data not create AI uh, well I, I, I think they definitely they don't create AI but mm. uh, they need AI to analyze to data, analyze data right? correct. <laughs> yeah, and to give it a meaning so AI is definitely part of their their business yeah, it's just that the final business is to give you a meaningful data, mm. right? Yeah, uh, and I don't think it's very far from uh, taking action and stuff like that because it's quite easy for them to do stuff, right? Uh, big companies are setting up Samalaju, hiding in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, we have a lot of this kind of uh, very, very interesting stuff happening right now. Uh, but again, I hope it end up benefiting Malaysians. Yeah, that's the that's the key there. Uh, but one thing for sure, right, uh, is that 
what we can see is Malaysian Ringgit. I just want to end today, tonight with Malaysian Ringgit. And then after that, we're going to take up some Q&A again, mm. right? Uh, let's talk about Malaysian Ringgit, right? I'm just going to put up a poll right now about Malaysian Ringgit. So Frankie, you want to uh, give your views on Malaysian Ringgit because it's dropping like crazy, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, depending on how you see it, right? Malaysian economy at the end of the day, we are a trading nation, right? What What does a trading nation mean? It means that we import raw material, we process it a bit, and then we sell it on to to the customer to make the finished products. Just like the tech sector, TSMC makes the wafer, and then because the low end stuff they don't want to do, so they pass it to Malaysia. We cut and slice it, we <coughs> test it, and 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 whatnot. Then we send to Apple assembly plant and be assembled into your smartphone. So we are a trading nation. And as a trading nation, uh, a cheap currency is always beneficiary to us because uh, people can buy things cheap from us and uh, we can also sell things cheaper to other people. So we will look a lot more attractive to our competitors like Indonesia or South Korea for that matter. Uh, so that is on the more international uh, sense of things but for at the personal level like you mentioned before food is mostly imported from Malaysia right and there are also a lot of things is actually imported like like this table here is 100% imported nothing is made in Malaysia right oh here. yeah yeah right so everything here is imported yeah, everything here is imported so it, when the currency is so weak then the cost for us to set up this equipment is also become more expensive mm. uh, so on the personal level and from that perspective it is going to hurt the people more but as a country hopefully with a weaker currency it can actually benefit uh, us in terms of our GDP and our trade balance and all that yeah yeah so so here's where I think that Malaysia is in this very odd situation right now right so some people are saying that Malaysia will drop to five get per USD for USD uh, will it there I think I'm really not sure because because what happened right now is that you have to understand why Malaysia ringgit is weakening. It's not really weakening. It's actually USD strengthening. Correct. Yeah. Now, and if other countries are strong, they can they can increase their OPR, their their rates, and then you know benchmark against it like like what Singapore is doing, mm. right? But Malaysia got this very big problem right now. If we were to increase our OPR, many people are going to suffer. Just by increasing it right now, right? 0.25, huh? We already got like so many complaints. People are going bankrupt. I mean, I also feel the pinch with my properties. Huh? You also feel the pinch, right? Mm. The day I look at, wow, the new one. You know, Every day get new letter and say, yeah. oh, your mortgage starting this month will be more. Yeah, yeah. That's why my <laughs> wife, the day was just telling me, right? She she got the letter saying that the, the mortgage has increased. And then she was like, oh no, I didn't pay this amount. Then we went and check. Well, luckily we paid extra one, two months already. So it just, uh, mm. you know, like uh, reduce from there. Lah. Mm. So now, but but my point is this, right? Uh, imagine if we want to catch up with with USD, we will need to increase at the, almost the same rate, mm. right? And if we were to increase by almost the same rate, what will happen is that many people will suffer. Many people will go bankrupt. And at this very point right now, I don't think uh, nearing an election period, our government wants that. So uh, that's going to be a problem. Now, the next thing is this, like what Frankie said, right? GDP is going to be good for us because we are an export-oriented nation. It's going to be damn good for us, actually. So at the, at the whole point of view, it's going to be damn good for us. And for people who are doing export business, fantastic for them. Great, you know, wonderful, no problem. Yeah, you know. 
Then the next question is this, does it trickle down to us as a public? Mm. Mm. And that is actually a very huge problem because what will happen is the, wa- the, the, the wage gap will become bigger, income gap will become bigger, wealth gap will become bigger, and more and more people will, the poor will become poorer and the rich will become richer. That's just simply what's going to happen. That's why you should place your bet in the correct industry to make money together with those industries. Yeah. So yeah. now, you, if, if, you are, if you are an investor, you are in a, if you are the kind of person who's right now earning quite well and you can invest, please invest. Please invest because that's your way out already. That's your way out. Because if you were to invest, if you were to just put your money in Malaysian ringgit, put it in the FD, you got a very, very big problem. <laughs> FD is going to give you about 2%, 3%, but your, your money is actually dropping because inflation. It's crazy. Especially food inflation. Yeah, maybe other things didn't inflate very much, but as far as I'm concerned, food is inflating at about like 10% the last I checked with my chicken rice and my food that I got at Makan, right? Yeah, so the big part of it is increasing by a lot. So the only way is actually to invest. Now, on the other hand, for those of you who actually, I know those of you are watching, not everyone here got like 50,000 or 100,000 to invest, right? And even if you have 100,000 invest, so what? It's actually a very small amount, right? Now, then the next thing they need to think about is, is I really encourage you to think about a side hustle. I really encourage you to start a business because actually I tell you uh, upfront, uh, like right now, uh, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I think everyone should, should actually have some sort of a side hustle. Yeah. You know, earn some money. Whether is it using freelance, do fever stuff, you know, fiver, you know, freelance to in USD or whatnot. Try to find a way to earn USD. Try to find a way to earn USD. Yeah. I, I now definitely some way are saying oh, I might as well go Singapore, you know. Okay, those are another story, but my point is that try to find a way to earn USD. Yeah, because that will be your your way to actually make sure that you're more stable here. Yeah, that, that is something that you, you really have to consider. Uh, it's going to be a tough time, especially for those of you who, who refuse to change, it's going to be a tough time. I'm not saying refuse to change as in you don't want to invest. Huh? I'm saying that refuse to change as in you don't want to change the way that you do things right now. It, it's going to be a tough time moving ahead. Yeah, it's not just investment huh, cannot save you if you are not rich. You, you, you have never really seen someone invest their way into great wealth. I think I barely see that in my life. Hmm. Yeah. People who actually manage to invest and then after they do well, generally they are already earning quite well. Hmm. Yeah. That's why they can. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are those stories about like genters, you know, making that one. But that is by the day that they die at 90 years old. <laughs> they got a few million. Okay. So don't be crazy unless you want to. Yeah. And, and during that time, their inflation not so bad. You must not forget. Right. And life is not as crazy as today uh? so it's a very different landscape so i really encourage you guys to actually think right not just about investing but also think about doing business think about ways to actually you know start a business yeah. entrepreneurship startup right yeah um yeah maybe we'll do you think that we should talk more about entrepreneurship if you think we should talk more about entrepreneurship, you know, learn how to set up Mister Money TV channel. Yeah, yeah, like how <laughs> to how to actually um, should 
I'll do a poll. Yeah, while you do a poll, let me just answer Akong's question. Uh, he has a question for me. Can government subsidies away inflation? Uh, I can answer this by throwing you back another question. If today raw 95 is not two ringgit and five cent, how much do you think your chicken rice <laughs> is going to be? Right? So the answer is oh. yes. Crazy, uh, government subsidies definitely help to tame inflation and that's why if you look at um, what the government is doing they have been trying a lot of ways to actually uh, subsidize uh, the rakyat but they also know that if they simply subsidize then all the tycoons is going to enjoy those subsidies as mm. well so they have been finding ways to do targeted subsidies so that on- only people who really need the money will get it and the uh, people who are richer they are supposed to pay the market rate like they don't need the subsidies from the government yeah i think if if that can be implemented well it'll be great right but mm. um but yeah la, the question is implementation now always huh? mm. yeah, we don't know whether will it be implemented well actually there's one last thing that i really really wanted to talk about that i think is very very important and, but i keep forgetting you know mm. what is it now um, you remember did you say la? i i i forgot la, that's eh? why <laughs> uh, that's the thing <laughs> okay. so so it's like 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 uh. five minutes ago i remember Definitely not, I just forgot. So, but anyway, I think what we can do right now is that, um, is there any closing thing that you want to say before we go into Q&A? Closing thing? Um, I think we have talked about much of the meat that we want to deliver tonight already. So, I don't think I have any anything extra to add on to that. Right, right. Okay. Mm. So, let's just go into uh, right now about some of the questions. Because I think tonight there's quite a lot of questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll open up for questions. Uh, let me just start with this. Hi, Peter. Do you think ASB loan still makes sense right now? Uh, personally, I think if you don't look at the international arena, like the depreciation ringgit and so on, I think it always makes sense because that's how it's made mm. as. You get what I mean? Yeah, that's the numbers is designed to make sense. So uh, in that perspective, it makes sense. But in, in the sense of a personal, like for example, if you say that I think I can invest in US to make more money, then that one is personal opinion already. Yeah, but numbers make sense or not, it always makes sense. Yeah. So uh, Yen Gin say, gonna sell durian, right? Yeah, if you're gonna sell durian, right? For those of you who think about starting a business and you want us to just give you a simple shout out during our lives or whatnot, you know, just go ahead, text us, PM us. Uh, we are always into helping local business. But if let's say you are MNC and then you got money, that kind, sorry, we are gonna charge you, okay? Yeah, because we also need to make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if let's say you're a new hawker, you know, man, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, just let us know. We are willing to yeah, give man. you a shout out for free. And, yeah. Okay, I think this is a very good question. Ben Pinto, wouldn't be bad timing to start a business right now during economic downturn? Buying power is handicapped. Ah, here is where I remember that question already. Okay. Even if raw materials keep going down, right? The prices will still remain high mm-hmm. for consumers, mm-hmm. right? On what circumstance only it will drop? On the consumer side? Yes. That means your the raw material price has to go down so much that if your retail price don't drop, people is going to report you to authorities and the authorities is going to come and clamp you down. Okay. That could be one option. Mm. There's going to be a worse situation, right? Which yep. we always talk about, right? What? what? Okay. Like a great reset. Mm. like Great Depression. Yeah, no. that's what I meant. So, so, so it has to go down so much. Correct. That, yeah. Right? So it's like, imagine like, if it goes down so much, Im- imagine it, if, if oil price hit 10 bucks, uh, mm. right? 
a lot of oil and gas people are going to lose their job. It's going to create a whole chain of people losing job, people can't pay stuff, and then banks are also going to fire their stuff because they, they, they don't earn enough. You know, people just fire, fire, yeah. fire. Then people the time chicken rice really will come down correct. in price. Why? Yeah. Because people can't afford to eat out anymore. Correct. Yeah, and those businesses who did not manage their finances well are all going to die. Mm. So what happened is, die. Everyone just die. You like a great reset. Kind of like 1997, mm. but even more worse, right? Yeah, and then kind of like, you know, like maybe they already priced stuff at like, like let's say chicken rice is already 10 bucks, right? But because no one is eating, they're going to give discount at six bucks, five bucks, four bucks, right? And then people start coming back again and then that, that discount remains. Huh? Mm. Yeah, so, so I think that that is something that a lot of economists are actually expecting actually <laughs> but they definitely did not write it in such a such a depressing manner that's what i hope actually that's <laughs> what i hope because things are just getting so out of hand that i think even my children will have no chance of surviving in the future yeah so i really think we need a reset <laughs> yeah yeah actually yeah. actually actually yeah yeah that's that's actually that's actually the thing that i want to talk about mm. i think yeah, I think it's kind of like cutting off a cancer. It's mm. but it's gonna be bad. It's and gonna be painful, lah. But yeah, and but you don't I know which side are you standing on, you know? Correct. Yeah, if you're standing on that side of the cancer, then I'm so sorry, you know. Like, yeah, mm. it's gonna be screwed, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's go into the question. Wouldn't be it be a bad time to start a business during economic downturn? Now, what do you think? Do you think it's a good time or bad time? Okay. Let's not talk about that that great reset and the great okay. recession Just kind kind of scenario. Let's right? talk about. Uh, a normal kind of downturn, this kind of downturn. Now, raw material prices is coming down, like like Peter mentioned just now, but your retail prices is not coming down, it's still at a very high level. So if you want to start a business now, right, it's actually the best time. Number one, you don't have a lot of competition because all these people think, oh, you're very scared of a downturn. Uh, no, better, uh, better don't start business, just be takung jai can already. That's one, you have very, f you have fewer competition. Number two, your your cost will be lower because of all these recession uh, subs subsided um, raw material prices. And then because your retail prices is high, so you can buy low and sell high and then you don't have competition. And so therefore, we always say cash is king during uh, economic downturn. It's exactly for this reason. If you have cash during this period, you can go and buy raw material at a cheap price, process it, become finished goods, you will sell at a high price, and then no one is going to compete with you. You're going to make all the money you can. Yeah, so this is a normal downturn situation for someone who thinking want to start a business. I think a downturn is the best time to start. Yeah, I also personally think a downturn is the best time to start a business mm. because uh, during a downturn is when you see a lot of players also suffer. And when they suffer, you will start to see the problem as well. And that's when you can come in and fill the gap. Mm, and I'm, learn from them. Yeah, so think about it this way, right? Uh, think about, just think about Mr. Money TV itself. It is actually a classic example of starting off at the downturn. Mm. Mm. Because everyone was depending on their friend for financial advice in Malaysia, or either an agent or either a financial advisor, during the lockdown, Mr. Money TV grew like crazy. Yeah. How many of you actually got to know us because of that whole thing, right? Yeah. So it is during this kind of downturn that you see problems. Yeah. And in that problem, if you catch your opportunity, right, you could be faster than bigger companies to shift. Correct. Yeah. And when you shift, you catch the right place, 
you may end up starting right. something very and profitable. Yeah, uh, just to add on to that, when Mr. Me- when Mr. Money TV started, uh, it was also the peak of Malaysian media sector downturn. Media Prima was doing so bad. Astro right. is doing so bad. That's right. right. So this is when we say, okay, lah, let's yeah <laughs> let's let's uh, challenge the market yeah so yeah so you think about it uh during this time is it a good time to start a business i leave it up to you i think if you are the kind of person who can think and start a business then it's actually a great thing yeah now one question here that is a uh, pretty good as well right don't you think not everyone should become entrepreneur will become entrepreneur ah i think this is a very good one hmm. right uh, i know that some of you guys are thinking right like you are not suitable to be an entrepreneur Right. Uh, what What are your thoughts, Frankie? Do you think everyone is suitable to be an entrepreneur? No, but I think you must know your own value. Ah, that's uh, a very true yeah, one. You must know your own value. Sometimes you can be an intrapreneur. You don't need to be an entrepreneur. Intrapreneur means you, 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 you know your value. You know how you can add value to your employer. Then you say. If I keep on be your worker, right, you're going to pay me 3000 a month. <coughs> but I know if I do this on my own, right, I can make a lot more money. Why not I strike a deal with you? With you I continue to provide my service for you, but I don't want to be your employee. You pay me on a contract basis. This is a classic example of an intrapreneur. So, uh, so the moral of the story is if you know your value, you know your strength and weakness, then you can actually turn it to your own advantage. Yeah. yeah. I think um, last time, you, you all know that I started off as a as a insurance agent, right? Very, very long time ago, right? So uh, I, I used to always think that everyone can be a business person. But uh, after a while, coming to today, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think everyone is made for doing business because doing business requires a very peculiar kind of character. And it's very odd one. You, you need to be crazy enough, put it this way. You need mm-hmm. to be delusional enough yet optimistic yet you know it's, it's a lot of things in one right and even if you have that you may not be successful as well so it's not easy but you will never know until you try to learn it that's that's number one you will never know until you try to start something now then the next thing is this does it mean that being entrepreneur is the only thing no understanding entrepreneurship will give you a huge age being an employee mm. will also give you a huge age being a core team. Think yeah. about it, right? Let's just talk about Mr. Money TV itself, right? When I started, I started it myself. But what happened is that when I when I had no money to hire people, I actually pitched my idea to people around me. And I asked them if they want to come on board. But it is those early days when I pitched those ideas and these people who said, hey, great, I'm willing to come on board. I'm willing to take the risk with you. Then the one who take the highest risk is the one who came in at the earliest. Then at the latest, they take lesser risk. And then it will come to a point where I don't need this kind of people. No, I just shut the door. Lah. No more no more partners. No more people come in for share. Everyone else will be employee. But then that comes down to the next thing, right? Does it mean that my employees, they are not going to be rich? I believe my employees will be very rich one day. I, they, I think they are richer than us today. <laughs> <laughs> because they are getting paid higher than us. Soon, soon, soon. Not all. But my point is that because they're willing to come in early and because the way they think is very entrepreneurial, then they run the business like their own 
Like for example, in 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 lately, right? Uh, our our staff, we actually just ask our staff, like, do we need hire more people, right? Hmm. Uh, our our staff themselves actually told us that no, um, let's not hire first. Let's try to see whether we can work out a way to make it the most efficient, so we can be cost efficient in itself. Hmm. That that's impressive for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think that I will I will take care of this stuff? Well, I'm gonna make sure I take care of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, so then it comes down to the next thing, right? If you are an employee and you're working for a boss that doesn't appreciate you, then you have to make a decision whether <laughs> leave or stay, lah, right? Now, but if you know your value and you know how to actually contribute to the business and your boss is actually good, then you will be taken care of. Like, I, like, like the other day, I was just meeting a few of my friends, right? Uh, you know, over the weekend, mm. I was meeting uh, mm. Pundio, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I was just telling them, the chances of you earning as well as me or higher than me, uh, I mean, right now, you're probably earning more than me. Eh? Yeah, uh, they, are, they are all like in senior management in big companies. Uh. Mm. So I was saying that like, yeah, for me to earn more than you, right, I need to be hugely successful. At this point, I'm not earning more than you earn. I need to be hugely successful because if I earn, even if I earn 5 million or 10 million a year, right? Do you think I'll be giving myself a 500,000 salary? Hmm. No, right? Hmm. I, I won't even be giving ourselves like what? 50,000 or 100,000? Maybe not also because hmm. you look at, you think about the numbers, it doesn't make sense, no, no, hmm. right? So, but for them, they're already earning 20, 30, 50,000 a month. Hmm. Just because they are an employee, but because their company is very big and they know their value and they negotiated for their car salary. So I think one thing that you need to have is is actually to understand your value, but you will never understand your value until you really understand entrepreneurship because your boss will appreciate you if you understand how to run a business. So even if you can't take the risk to run your own business, but you understand how to run a business, you will be able to earn well, as simple as that. So understanding entrepreneurship is, I think one of the best moments to understand entrepreneurship is now. Because imagine if let's say you're working for a smaller company or even a bigger company, you understand how the market is moving. Maybe you don't want to start a business, but you're close enough with your boss and you have the confidence, you suggest him an idea and he does well. Yeah. Right? Mm. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe like what Frankie said, right? You get a... Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, actually, actually, honestly, I think one thing that I'm more interested in investing is business. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when you're gonna see my fire wow. come out even more than more new, than new investment. Mr. Money TV subsidy is gonna yeah. be a private equity <laughs> <laughs> private equity setup. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why do you think that ringgit will depreciate further? I think we already talked about that because mm. uh, Malaysia is not increasing our interest rate mm. that much. Um, what is the implication of Tesla split? Um, basically, it's just cheaper shares. Uh, more I, shares, more, more yeah. liquidity, so you can... Uh, uh, yeah, cheaper so, shares is not yeah, right. So uh, the entry level becomes lower, so more people can invest. Okay, let's talk about Andrew Lee's question, right? DCA is only for the price that's going down. If the price is moving up, then no need to do anything but collect cash. Mm, I understand half, but I don't understand half of the question. Uh, no, yeah. D- DCA means you don't care about the direction, you just go in because uh, 
let's say the share price keep going up, right? And then you DCA. Then the the DCA amount of money that you bought last month, right, is always going to be cheaper than this month. So you forever is still buying at a cheaper rate at a going up kind of a scenario. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So uh, DCA is forever there. You yeah. just keep doing it until the end of the day. That's yeah. the point. Uh, but I don't really understand your second question, which is if the price moving up, then no need to do anything but collect cash. I, I don't really know what the collect cash means because if let's say it's a dividend stock, then you are always collecting cash even if it goes down because hmm. they still pay dividend. But if it goes up, you're still going to collect dividend. Uh, then if they don't pay dividend, you need to sell. Yeah, so I, I, I don't really get this part, but... I I think I just need to add one more point to your DCA strategy, right? If you want to know what price you're actually buying over a long term for your DCA strategy, you just uh, pull out your uh, moving average line. Let's say 60 days line or... Uh, provided whatever. you buy very chun. Uh. Um, provided yeah. you buy very chun because that moving average line is going to be your <laughs> DCA price. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, it makes sense to earn USD as growing stronger. Investment is a way to go. However, property investment in Malaysia, is it still sensible? Would US stock investment make more sense? I think generally property investment... Property investment in Asia cannot go wrong one, because Asian, Asian mentality is, uh, you know, before you get married, you better buy a house. Oh. So, so, so in a sense, demand will be forever there. Man. But if you take this culture, you go to Europe, right? It may not work because their culture there is, uh, why buy a house? I can just rent and if I don't like the house, I can just shift next door. So that kind of mentality means that the demand for property uh, may not be as strong as in Asia. Uh, I think I think when it comes to property investment, I think the landscape has changed though. Like like if let's say we talk about ten years from last time and today, right? Yeah. yeah if you're if you're looking at earning a big pot of gold in property investment, I am not sure if that's going to happen in the near future because we all know that recession, you know, da 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 da, all this kind of stuff, right? But the rich are still buying house because the demand is still there, mm. right? Now, uh, on one hand itself. Um, we can say that property will likely catch up with inflation. No? Mm. That's all. No? Yeah. Is it a great investment option? I don't know. I've been talking to quite many very, very rich people. And uh, what I notice is that the way they buy property is two kinds, right? There's the one kind who buy property as a hobby. Means they suka, they buy. And actually money is really not a problem for them means they can just buy a five million dollar house because really they got too much money no place to park that's the point you know uh, that that's the one kind then there's the next kind who who don't buy property already yeah so there's two kinds of person that i'm seeing right now so uh i am not really sure then there's the third kind who's not very rich but simply they need to buy a place to stay <laughs> yeah so uh i think generally asians fall in the third kind everyone mm. yeah so we always will have this demand uh but in terms of like growing their wealth to property wise uh i'm seeing a lot of the first two lah, which is the first one is when they buy a property they don't even ask whether is it going to increase in price anymore it's just it's a great place it's nice i think it holds the value they buy right yeah and usually they are super super rich huh? then there's the second kind which are using property to earn money and stuff like that one they are not 
acquiring new properties they are just collecting rent and you know just going on with it uh. yeah so depend depend uh, but again there's two views there's another view is that there's another view is this because the market is so bad then maybe it's a good time to buy it and then when market recovers again then the price will all shoot up hmm. so there's the other kind as well yeah Russian oil gas worker are losing their jobs faster than Peter can eat chicken rice. <laughs> hmm. Okay, that's not a question. I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, let's see. Last question. Our OPR kind of correlates with the US Fed rate hike. Uh, not I mean, that much lately. Yes and no. Not that much, right? Yes and uh, no. Uh, yes, it's because if we don't follow what the US is doing, then our currency may go a lot, a lot, a lot worse than it is today. Uh, no, it's because the Bank Nagara also need to take into account the local economic condition. Is Malaysian ready to take on that kind of interest rate high or not? Like for example, US has raised 75 basis points for two consecutive rounds. Malaysia, 25 basis only. Why? Yeah. Because Bank Nagara knows that we cannot take 1.25% interest rate hike so quickly. So therefore, they're doing it more gradually so that at least we can survive. That's right, yeah. Uh, just to give you an idea, right? A 0 0.25, which is 25 basis point increase, for those of you who have a property loan, you will notice your loan has increased by about 5 to 6% just for a 2.5. So 50 basis point means it's gonna increase by about 10 to 12%. If it's a, if it's gonna be a one, 1%, one it's gonna be about 20 plus percent increase in your monthly commitment. So your your house installment, if let's say it's a thousand, it's gonna be 1,250, probably about there. Yeah. So. Imagine if it's 4,000, it's going to go up by 1,000 ringgit. Mm. So 1% increase means your installment is going to be 1,000 ringgit extra. Yeah, so it's going to be really, really, really tough. Yeah, they may do that, but if they do that, then that's when the great reset is. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at least for Malaysia in the mini scale. Yeah, then a lot of people declare bankruptcy. You will see a lot of l property that's going on there long, you know, and, uh, and don't forget credit card loan. It will increase together on your know, credit card loan. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people are going to be in a big trouble. Only those car people bought, bought cars. Uh, yeah. Car safe because safe car is a safe, uh, fixed, yeah. fixed rate. So, those who bought yeah. car last year, actually, you are quite lucky. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Because you enjoy low rate. Yeah, because you enjoy a lower rate. So, these are things, right? Mm. So, um, last question question is actually from Kong, right? Is there any strategy to enhance you on rates? So, since you have done quite a few videos on rates, why not you tell people? Uh, you have to depend on the REIT manager to help you to increase the REIT, the yield of the REIT. For for you as an investor, your only the only thing you can do is buy low, sell high, right? So if you say, for example, the latest one, EC World REIT, right? You cannot engineer yourself to make it become 12% yield, then you go and buy one. You have to wait for the price to drop so badly that if you compare it with the uh, the dividend that they're paying out, oui, it pays you 12% or so that's how you sort of increase your you on the read. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, actually there's a way to help. I know the how. 
like for example Mid Valley, you mm. go Mid Valley more, spend more money there lah. Ah, true. Ah, true. So if the economy is doing better, then of course your REIT will also do better. Or if the REIT manager go and acquire new assets and that assets adds value to the REIT, then of mm. course you will also you better. Correct. So like for yeah. example, if let's say uh, Mid Valley, right? You spend more money there and then everyone here go and spend more money there, then they will definitely increase the rental day. Because mm. hey, economy is so good, you know? Mm. Ah, we'll increase rental, then your REIT earn more money again. <laughs> so you better yeah so so I say the 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 you is the read manager's job your job is to buy low sell high hmm. uh. so uh last one um someone is asking <coughs> uh can you do video about national economic policy no la I think too sensitive mm. <laughs> yeah hot 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 okay uh <coughs> Anyway, uh, thank you very much for entertaining us. You know, um, I want to tell you guys that uh, it's really a pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, we really have fun today. I mm. think today is a quite a fun session. Mm. Yeah, although it started off with a lot of hiccups. Thank you very much for being patient as well. Now, um, we also got your votes. Uh, apparently, about eighty percent of people say that we should talk more about entrepreneurship. Yeah, wow. Yeah, mm. either we should start a new channel, or either we should do more podcasts on this, or whatever. Not right. Yep. So, but. Anyway, uh, yes, the podcast will be on Spotify, so you can go and check it out on Monday. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, I just want to say this one thing. For those of you who are thinking about starting your own business, or maybe you have started a business and you need us to give you a shout out, right? Uh, just give us a call, send us a DM. Now, uh, definitely, I'll be very clear on this as well. If you're a small business and uh, we think that you qualify for it, then we'll do it for free, right? Yeah, but if let's say we think that you're a big business, then uh, I'm so sorry, we're going to charge you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this to help local businesses, right? So especially startups. So uh, that that's basically the thing. Yeah, again, if you're a well-funded startup, we also charge you. <laughs> 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 yes. So uh, that's all. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us tonight. If you missed tonight's session or you join in late, you can actually listen to it on Spotify on Monday. We'll upload this whole thing up there. So that's all about it. Anything else that you want to tell the people before we call it a night? Uh, nope, uh, nothing much. Um pay attention to the market because uh, this rally has been going up too fast too quickly so mm. I don't think it's going to stay that high for a very long yep. time so be careful uh, other than that see you guys next week alright see you guys next week have a good night All bye right. bye bye, bye, -bye. <laughs>